Lord has sanctified us in the true faith. Listen to chapel services live weekday mornings from Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Morning Chapel from Kramer Chapel. Live weekday mornings at 9 Central, 10 Eastern, 8 Mountain, and 7 Pacific at issuesetc.org. some questions and comments from our listeners. A question of whether or not Paul and Peter were in some way opposed to one another. The answer to that one is a little complicated, yes and no, depending on what time you are talking about. And the translation of Acts, well, it would be Acts 8, verse 37. Does it belong in there or not? Welcome back to Issues Etc. On this Tuesday, September the 5th, it's time to go through listener email and the Issues Etc. comment line. Our email address, talkback at issuesetc.org. The comment line, 618-223-8382. Let's begin with some email regarding our 24-7 sacred music station, Lutheran Public Radio. Sarah writes, The hymn, Come, Let Us Join Our Cheerful Songs, is in an awfully heavy rotation. I hear it every time I listen, sometimes twice an hour. Lord Thee I Love With All My Heart plays much less often than the other hymn. I would like to hear it more. She concludes, Nighttime Knitters Love Listening to LPR. Thanks for the feedback. Thanks for listening, Sarah. So you went back and looked at the logs for our 24-7 sacred music station, Lutheran Public Radio, Sacred Music for the World, and was she right? She was right. That doesn't happen very often, does it? I don't know, but lesson to be learned. Your initial, when you get an email like this, like, no way. Not twice in an hour. No way. I look through the Trinity slash Pentecost play season. Come let us join our cheerful songs by the St. Michael Singers. I think was in there four or five times in about a playlist a little less than a thousand. Okay. The same one. So it's very likely. And See, this can happen when we have different versions of the same hymn that are different recordings of the same hymn. And they can sometimes accidentally, because this is a, we use a program that basically probably randomly plays these things, but tries not to put them on top of each other. But occasionally it slips through where if we have O Sacred Head now wounded and we've got four versions of it, it will end up, they'll end up next to each other, not maybe immediately next to each other. But this was just one version that was in there Four or five Four times. Four or five times. On a little less than a thousand songs. So, Jeff, remedied, are we down now to one? We're, we're down down to one. Well, of that one, we right. have the Fort Wayne Children's Choir, St. Paul's Fort Wayne Children's Choir, Come Let Us Join Our Cheerful Songs in there. But there's only one of the St. Michael Singers version in there. So the lesson learned here is listen to our listeners. And the lesson for the listeners is if you're listening and that happens, let us know. Because we can't listen all the time. This is for you. And if you hear uh, a particular hymn played in kind of uncomfortably high rotation, just pop us a note like she did, and we will be happy to fix it. So if you listen now to our 24-7 sacred music station, I can assure you will not hear 
Come Let Us Join Our Cheerful Songs by the St. Michael Singers ad nauseum. But you will find the best of the church's music for the past 2,000 years at lutheranpublicradio.org, the LPR mobile app, Amazon Alexa, Google Home, Apple Home Pod, or all those places you can listen. Wherever to. you get your streaming or your podcast. Exactly. How about some more feedback on Lutheran Public Radio? Jim sure. writes, been listening Sunday morning. There has hardly been one singable song. That says something about the agenda of the personing determining the playlist. All caps, action, needed, now, exclamation point. <laughs> there is no person determining the, the content of the playlist. I mean, we, they are all entered. The program plays its own. It, what do they call it again? They're called playlists, but there's a in in radio you could would call it traffic, I suppose, and that's to make sure that everything is playing in a sequence that's listenable. So there's no agenda here except to get sacred music to the world. That's the only agenda we have here. I don't know what actually would be the definition of a singable song. I think what most people if they want to be able to sing along, and we've talked about this, where the music drowns out. Oh yeah, the, the words right. Mm-hmm. There are people that want just instrumental only. People can't stand organ music. People want more organ music. So I think that's part of what he's saying. Again, I'll just say that this is a playlist of a little less than a thousand songs. There's no agenda going on. Everything that we have from Lutheran service book, the Lutheran hymnal, that's appropriate for the season, Lutheran worship, is in rotation the Trinity Pentecost season. And once a week, we just do a random shuffle yeah. of that list. So... You know, I guess that's Sunday morning. It was just had some unsingable songs. And we try to avoid, we try to avoid as much as we can choral music that's in a different language. Now, when you're doing a Bach cantata, it's going to be in German. It will, because that's the language of the Bach cantata. So you go see a Bach cantata ordinarily in, in concert, you're going to hear it sung in German. That's where we break our rule one time, but you can do that for Bach. He's Bach. But ordinarily, English, listenable, can you understand the words? Those are our criteria. And, of course, we do want our listeners to sing along. That's a great thing to do. Maybe we'll just hit shuffle twice. We do have a few Luther hymns that are in German. And we do have listeners who would like to hear more German. Just so you know, music brings out the pietism (laughs) in All of us, including myself. Well, we've often said, and I love church musicians. I think they're great people. We could not do without them. But we've often said the sensibilities of church musicians are altogether different than the average Christian layperson. And what church musicians find compelling music or interesting music is often very different. Not every church musician. I can think of a few that, I'm thinking about Leonard Payton. He's probably the most like the average layperson and a very skilled church musician at the same time. But a lot of them... And a pastor. Yeah. And a lot of them are academics. And so you can't, they can't be blamed for that. But we try to kind of say, what does the average... There are people who, who just went 24-7 Bach. Then they went Mendelssohn. Then they pretty soon were a classical station, which is not what we are. It's sacred music for the world. And we've talked about this before. People we know very well that worked as announcers in classical music say you cannot satisfy classical music listeners. They just want Bach. They just want Mozart. They want one or two people. That's all they want. Do you remember (laughs) good old Dave Miller? 
he always complained about there was someone who would constantly call our former employer when he was working the FM shift at the classical station. And the guy just wanted Mahler all the time. He wanted one of the most lugubrious composers of all time. And that's all the guy wanted, more Mahler, more. And he, we just can't do that. I'm sorry. It was usually the overnight shift. Yes. For what it's worth for all you Mahler fans out there. Getting back to, and we appreciate you listening, Jim, but this is why, this is, I, I agree with him, this is why we started recording, putting together Absolutely. the Luther Public Radio Choir, so we could have more, quote, singable hymns, end quote. And we've given the Lutheran Public Radio Choir and its director and its recording technician, we've given them very specific instructions. That we want the listener to hear the words. This is not a performance for the organist. Have, have the organ, if you like, have whatever it is. But we've said this is for hearing the words and hearing these hymns, these unrecorded hymns, and now hymns of the day, that for the first time maybe outside their church. Michelle, Colorado. She does not have a comment about our 24-7 sacred music station. Michelle writes, here's the context for the following question. My daughter is at a Christian university and has made friends with the strong faith life also, but they are from a different denomination and baptism has become a doctrinal difference between them. My daughter and I discussed the Bible often in our faith, and she was asking me about what we as Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Christians believe. I happened, I think it's kind of cool how God does this because it happens a lot in my perpetual reading of God's Word, that was reading Acts 8. I was reading the New King James Version, and I got to the verses about Philip and the eunuch. This is my first time reading all the way through the Bible with the New King James Version. Because of my recent conversation with my daughter, I was hit with verses 36 through 38, and this is in Acts chapter 8. There seems to be a condition in the New King James Version and King James Version that is absent in the English Standard Version, the New International Version, and NLT. What is it? New Living Translation? New, what NLT? I don't know. Anyway, she says there seems to be a condition in the NKJV and KJV that is absent in the ESV, NIV, and NLT. What's up? I love that. What's up? That's a good question. <laughs> Thanks for your thoughts in advance. P.S. I just sent my daughter two books on doctrine, The Doctrine of Baptism by Schlick and A Summary of Christian Doctrine by Kaler. Any other reference suggestions? Thanks for listening. Thanks for the great question, Michelle in Colorado. Yes, uh, Andrew Doss's book. What's the name of it again? I always forget what it's called. Andrew Doss's book. I'm going to look that up on your vamping. So Andrew Doss, D-A-S, is the last name. I don't know if it's still in print, but you can probably find it someplace. And Baptized he, into God's Family, The Doctrine of Infant Baptism is he, the subtitle. He has, uh, that Baptized into God's Family, has written I, what I consider to be the definitive kind of lay-level treatment of infant baptism. It's an excellent book, and just put it into your daughter's hands so that she can hand it to her friend. And he arrived at this book, writing this book, because he himself was trying to make the case to, I think at the time, his then fiance about infant baptism. So it forced him back to scripture to study it and to put together the defense. And when we come back from the break, I'll get to the question about the textual variants and why the New King James Version, the King James Version, and one other translation include this verse and the rest of them don't. I in your town, I'm coming home Well, my baby, she wrote me a letter 
Issues Etc. regular guests Dr. Reed Lessing and Dr. Andrew Steinman are the authors of our Book of the Month for September, The Messianic Message, Predictions, Patterns, and the Presence of Jesus in the Old Testament. This new book is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040, or learn more about The Messianic Message at issuesetc.org. Study the Old Testament through a Christ-centered lens with the Issues Etc. Book of the Month, The Messianic Message. This fall in creation is bested by tornado, hurricane, flood, pandemic, and more. LCMS Disaster Response helps our congregations, their pastors, and other church workers to reach out to their members and neighbors with mercy, which flows from Christ's altar. We offer quality volunteer training, help for congregational readiness and response, and disaster grant funding. To learn more, visit lcms.org disaster. That's lcms.org disaster. Yes, there is a Messiah in Seattle. Messiah Lutheran Church and Concordia Lutheran School have served North Seattle for over 60 years, and we invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 8 and 1045 with Bible study at 920. Messiah Seattle is proud to support issues, etc. To learn more, watch our adult information class videos online or on DVD. Our website is messiahseattle.org, 206-524-0024. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial-A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial-A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. Luther had Wartburg. We have Collinsville. You're listening to Issues Etc. You may be one of those pastors who need to be refreshed and refueled because of your parish ministry. Issues Etc. regular guest, Dr. Charles Geeshan. Concordia Theological Seminary has a wonderful program, not only in continuing education during the summer, but in an advanced study program called the Doctor of Ministry. And it's a very practical program because it focuses on congregational ministry. It incorporates biblical theology with the ministry of the congregation. It's also very accessible for pastors, and it's also affordable. You can major in pastoral care and leadership, teaching and preaching, or mission and culture. And we pray that pastors will take advantage of this program. Learn more about the Doctorate of Ministry program at ctsfw.edu or by calling 1-800-481-2155, Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. The books from Genesis to Malachi are like beautiful stained glass windows with different shapes and colors. They portray a wonderful portrait of the world's most important figure, Jesus, the Messiah and Savior of the world. That's from the introduction to the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for September, The Messianic Message, Predictions, Patterns, and the Presence of Jesus in the Old Testament by two of our best Old Testament expert guests, Dr. Andrew Steinman and Dr. Reed Lessing. You can find out more about The Messianic Message at our website, issuesetc.org, or call Concordia Publishing House and order it, 1-800-325-3040. 
We're going through listener email and the issues, et cetera, comment line. Back to Michelle in Colorado's question about Acts 8, verse 37. If you pick up a translation that is not the King James or the New King James, you are likely not going to find 837 there. Even if you do pick up the King James and the New King James, you will find the verse there, but you will not find, you will find a footnote on the verse, or as one of my seminary professors like to say, a flag on the play. That usually will direct you to a footnote that says that the majority text and what's called the NU text, which is, I'll explain that in a moment, do not contain this verse. So in either translation, you're going to find, and probably in the, say, let's just pick up the ESV, the English Standard Version, there will be a footnote there too where the verse is in the other translation saying some manuscripts contain this verse. Now the verse is the Ethiopian eunuch asks, what is to prevent me from being baptized? And the verse that is omitted in most of them is if you believe in Jesus Christ, your Savior, as your Savior, yes, you can. And then it goes on with verse 38, the baptism itself. So why do the King James versions, either old or new, include that verse? It's because they were originally, the King James was originally translated using a body of texts that contained that verse that was not included in most of the rest of New Testament Greek texts. And so it will say the M version, which is the majority text, that's simply the majority of all the texts that are used. And majority doesn't mean the most. It means, in that case, it means not the most text, but really the, the texts that are most often used. And then the other text that does not contain the verse, it's usually abbreviated NU, just the text that the Nestle Aland critical edition of the New Testament, it's one of the two critical editions of the New Testament, based their text on, and then the U stands for, I think it's the United Bible Society, is that what it is? They also have a critical edition of the New Testament. And that's just a way of saying, most of the manuscripts that you see out there of the book of Acts will not have this verse there, but some of them do. And because the King James Version, the original King James Version, and thereby extension the New King James Version, used that minority text, that's why they have the verse there. And it's nothing to be worried about because whether the verse belongs or doesn't affects nothing whatsoever in the account of the Ethiopian eunuch being baptized because the church has historically said we need a confession of faith. And so what happens in the rite of infant baptism? There's a confession of faith. We speak on behalf of this child the faith into which this child will be baptized. And we trust God's promise, God's clear promise, that baptism brings the gift of the Holy Spirit and faith, as it says in Titus. It's a washing and renewal in the Holy Spirit. It gives that gift to whomever is baptized. Whether it's an Ethiopian eunuch, we do not know his age, by the way. He could have been any age, we're not told. Young man, who knows? Or infants. Paul, Virginia, I, as a Lutheran, address various questions relating to Christianity on Quora and cite Dr. Jordan Cooper's videos frequently. One statement that I keep getting is regarding Pauline versus Patrine Christianity and the assertion that Paul reinvented Christianity. 
It seems that the argument presented especially has to do with the law, indeed that the people putting forth this split are the modern equivalent of the Judaizers. According to their arguments, there is no differentiation between the moral, civil, and ceremonial parts of the law, and we are still bound by them. Indeed, if you look at Jesus' teachings, he seems to say so. Telling the rich young ruler, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me in Matthew 19.21, indeed the rest of Matthew 19. It seems from what I can find that most of the arguments regarding the applicability of the law to Christians comes from Paul's epistles. One, can we demonstrate the Lutheran, indeed, Christian understanding of our relationship to the law without resorting to Paul's epistles? Two, could you please address this Paul versus Peter split in some future podcasts and help us deal with it? Thanks for listening in Virginia. Thanks for the email, Paul. So not everyone who uses the adjectives Pauline or Petrine is pushing this nonsense. Pauline simply means of Paul. Petrine simply means of Peter. So if we say the Petrine epistles, that's just say Peter's epistles or the Pauline epistles, Paul's epistles. There are, there's no light between Paul and Peter. Theologically, this is shown several times. One, Peter gives Paul the right hand of fellowship at the very beginning of his ministry, by the way. Also, although they did conflict over the place of the law for Gentiles at one point, remember how it is that Paul recounts that he had to correct Peter when Peter had been eating with Gentiles. And then when the Jews from Jerusalem showed up, Peter withdrew from them and Paul corrects him, there is no indication whatsoever that Peter refused this correction. And there is a very clear allusion to Paul in Peter's epistles, and he highly commends Paul as a teacher and apostle in the church, and even refers to his writings as Scripture. That is kind of a technical term for the Bible. So there's, there's no theological light between the two men. You can't split them off from one another. Sometimes this argument is made by Roman Catholic apologists, and sometimes it's simply made by people who are just ca- trying to cause mischief. Don't let your mind be troubled by it whatsoever. But just remember, not, just because someone says Petrine or, or Pauline does not mean that they're buying into this nonsense. They may be using them as adjectives to designate either Peter or Paul, it would be a great idea to have someone on to talk about this tempest in a teapot and to put it to bed better than I could. I've always heard primarily from Roman Catholic apologists, like you Lutherans (laughs) prefer Paul, we prefer Jesus. I've never heard this. Right. Pauline versus, and I got it wrong. Is it Petrine? I said Petrine. It's it's Petrine. Petrine. That's how I would, I've always heard it. And the, it's gotta be right. Look, to suppose that somehow Paul took the teachings of Jesus and then made his own religion, which that's really an opinion that has more affinity for liberal Bible scholarship than anything else, flies in the face of everything Paul himself says. And it flies in the face of Paul's own testimony that the things that he teaches, he received from Jesus himself. He Obviously, he was well-versed in the scriptures, But he says the things that he received, he received from Jesus himself. Now, if you want to say Paul's lying, does Paul play a pivotal role in the application of the message unmistakable in the Gospels from Christ himself? 
that he is the savior of the world, that he saves by grace through faith alone. Does Paul significantly explicate that and teach it and unpack it? Yes, he does, but he's not making anything up. And also to, to hold that view is to say that Paul's not writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And if that's the case, we have no business listening to Paul whatsoever. If he's not writing, writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's just making stuff up. And we have no business listening to him. Which is why either sooner or later, liberal Bible scholarship always founders on that same rock every single time. It hits that same rock and sinks. That if what you're telling me is true, why are you studying the Bible? It's just a bunch of nonsense. Go study something real. Go studying something that actually has some application, that actually delivers some truth. What other discipline can you go into where you can spend an entire academic career telling people that the subject of your study is phony? Good point. I mean, what other discipline do they, would they put up with? Would, would, you, would you go to a school where the history department spends all of its time telling you that history as you have been taught it is all fake? We can't tell you what really happened. That, that history department would be useless. But liberal Bible scholarship, somehow people have made careers and drawn paychecks teaching their students that the subject of their study is made up. I can't think of another discipline that tolerates that kind of academic pursuit. Two quick emails. This comes from Francine. Some time ago, I discovered a list of several issues, etc., transcripts, and I printed one and downloaded another for use at an outreach event we were hosting. We will be having another one soon in which we hope to encounter Arabic-speaking visitors. The one I printed without saving, I can no longer find on your website. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the email, Francine. Is it still there? Is the transcript still there? Yes, the transcript. You go to issuesetc.org, drop-down menu, publications, go to transcripts, and it's, yes, it's right there, Arabic transcript. For no, the click, on it see, click on it and see yeah, if you I get did. a 404. Oh, I did the first one. No, I did the first one. It's clearly not English. I don't know if it's Arabic. <laughs> okay. It's definitely, so you got Arabic transcripts with on the Ten Commandments, the Creed, the Lord's Prayer, Baptism, Confession Absolution, the Lord's Supper, Why Did Bad Things Happen, Issues ETCI.org, Publications, and go to Transcripts, and you'll find them there, Francine. One final email, Lori writes, Hello again, I cannot tell you how much I enjoy your new series, Kids Have Questions, with Pastor Jonathan Connor, and I hope it doesn't end. Just listen to episode six. I took care of both my parents on hospice before they each died in 2020 and 2022. The question about praying not for death, but what are we really asking for hit home and was such a blessing to hear. Just everything about these questions are amazing and a blessing to hear it discussed. Thanks and God bless concludes Lori. Lori, thanks for the email. Thanks for listening. And uh, in short order here, we will be uh, publishing all of those kids have questions interviews with Pastor Jonathan Connor on one page so you can get a one-stop shopping. When we come back, Paul Coleman joins us for an update on the criminal trial of two Finnish Lutherans for their statements regarding human sexuality.
the church's music from the second century. Shepherd of tender youth, guiding in love the sixth century. The twelfth century. The 16th century. The 21st century. The best of the church's music from the past 2,000 years. LutheranPublicRadio.org Providing artillery support for the church militant on the front lines, you're listening to Issues Etc. Teaching your student to read should not be complicated. Memoria Press's Phonics uses common sense and the classical approach with their First Start Reading program for the most effective and efficient way to teach your child how to read. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Register today. The 2023 Lutherans for Life National Conference is October 11th through the 13th at the Holiday Inn Cincinnati Airport in Erlanger, Kentucky. The conference includes visits to the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum. Online registration is open now with early bird pricing at lutheransforlife.org conference. Lutherans for Life, equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. lutheransforlife.org